this past week we have seen God move in amazing ways. Amen. From the dawning of a new birth to the healing of a dying heart. We've seen God do wonders. And I got to tell you, when Shelly told me about the young boy whose heart the night before was enlarged on one side, enlarged on one side and prayer went out around the world. And when the doctors went back in and checked the next day, is it the next day? Yeah, and they discovered it because he had an episode, a very bad episode. When they went in the next day, the heart was normal. Mm-hmm. And it was a birth defect. He had it since birth. They knew about it. And it was gone. So, yes. <laughs> That's encouragement. Somebody around the world need to hear this. That Jesus Christ is our healer. And that nothing is too hard for God. Amen. And uh, we did not know ourselves how critical Melissa was to death and the baby. Until after they did the emergency C-section Monday night. And so um, her and the baby are doing fine. Um, but God is just moving. What, what, what Lord Jesus wants his children to know is that he cares for them. And that he absolutely will answer prayer. We have to know that. And so we, I'm excited. New, new grandbaby, Belle, Belle Altum. I want to call her Bella, but it's okay. Uh, God is still God, no matter what. I even spelled her name wrong. <laughs> Shelly corrected me. But folks, I, I'm, I'm just here to tell you that as we're going into Acts chapter 2 today, because we're beginning this preaching series through Acts, the Acts of the Apostles. As we look at what they done, this, what the Lord Jesus Christ is showing us through the eyes of Luke, the physician. Luke is a medical doctor. And what he's writing here is the Holy Spirit is leading him. Look and see if you can match up anything that was done in the Old Testament as we know it. And you'll find out that a whole lot of prophecies over hundreds of years is now about to come true. The first and the greatest of all was God sending his son Jesus. And that the Messiah would die for the sins of the people. And that God would resurrect him. Which God did. And so, let's go before the Lord in prayer. And we'll see what the Lord has in store for us, because this is awesome. This is incredible revelation from the Lord Jesus Christ. And he wants you all to know about this revelation knowledge. And then he wants you to digest it, make it a part of your life, so that your life can reflect what him and his son Jesus has done. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your living word. It is absolutely without error. It's infallible. And we stand on the very truth of it because it cannot lie. The living word of God is your son, Jesus. As you always remind us that in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Father, you also told us that by the mouth of John in his writings and that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's you, Lord Jesus, son of the living God. And now, Lord, as you have completed your work here on earth, it is now for your children to go to work as your spirit is about to empower them. Lord, help us to see today in the 21st century what you did nearly 2,000 years ago with 120 people gathered together in an upper room and how, Lord, by your spirit, you made them different than every other human on earth. Lord, we love you, we praise you, Holy Spirit of the living God. I decrease so that you can increase now. Speak now, Lord, to the hearts of your children, for your children are listening. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, I, I don't know where to begin with this. 
other than telling you and I that the 120 people are now assembled in an upper room in Jerusalem. And the city and the nation as a whole is about to celebrate one of their high feast days known as Pentecost. And Pentecost by nature is known as the the, 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 the festivals of weeks and the festival of harvest, okay? The first fruits of the harvest. And these are one of, this festival is one of the mandated festivals that God told Israel to keep. The three high festivals is Passover, the Feast of Booths, or known as Tabernacles, the Feast of Tabernacles, where they had to live in makeshift tents, as we call them today, when it came out of Egypt, and then the Feast of First Fruits, meaning that whenever they plant a harvest, God, they were supposed to give God the tenth of that harvest before they even consume any of it themselves. And so, this was the time, so that tells you and I that this is somewhat in the springtime, or early, early summer. And because this, the harvest is now getting ready to roll in. The barley, the wheat, the oaks, you name it. Everything is, is ready. And so they're there to celebrate that. But God had something else in mind. While they were focusing on the material things that God had done with the nation of Israel, God, by his son Jesus, was focusing on the spiritual thing. And God, remember, Jesus said that the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are what? Few. So, Jesus, when he was here, when he met the woman at the well, had told his disciples to look, lift your eyes and look out there, for the harvest is white, for it's ready. What was was he talking about? Was he talking about grain? No. He was talking about the herd of people, Mark, that was headed over the hill to meet him. That the Samaritan woman had gone back and told them about Jesus. And he told his, his disciples, said, you said that three months from now the harvest will be ready. He said, but I say to you now, the harvest is ready. Look and see them coming. Okay? And so Jesus is looking into the future. And he's seen the future harvest of the world. From every generation, God will get a harvest. Okay? And now, there had to be a new dawning of that harvest. The harvest is called the kingdom of God. Better known today as the body of Christ, the church. Okay? Let's look at the word of God and see what's going on. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. That means those 120 people were gathered together. There was no arguments. There was no confusion. They had a purpose. When you and I was in the military, we were given our purpose statement. And it was called operation orders. You remember that. And... Those operation orders told us what our objective was. Well, the Holy Ghost had already told these people what their objective was by the mouth of Jesus. Right before he had departed. Ten days earlier. There's ten days between chapter one and chapter two. Ten days. Because Pentecost, it's amazing how God did this. Now line up the time period. Jesus Christ, on the 40th day, having risen from the dead, went back to heaven. And 10 days later, God, at Jesus' request, sends the Holy Ghost. That's 50 days after his resurrection. Penta. On the day of Pentecost. It's so amazing how God does this. Why? Because as we look into this, this is the... 10% of the harvest 
that God was about to reap. Now, no man know what that number is. Put it this way. At least the first fruits of the harvest. We may not need to put a percentage on it, but the right thing to do is that God was getting ready to bring forth the first portion of that harvest. And not only were these 120 people were part of the, the harvest as a whole, but they were the beginning of the pickers of the harvest. They were the beginning of the laborers of the harvest. And the harvest that had to take generation after generation after generation to pick. That means that for every generation, there had to be workers raised up. Let's see what the Holy Ghost does to show the world something. Now, it tells you and I that when the day of Pentecost had fully come, so it was now here. They're in the upper room on one accord, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven. Folks, that sound from heaven represent that God was making an invasion. You have to understand that heaven is so completely outside of us. God is so completely outside of us. And an entire dimension that's different than ours. This tells you and I that there's absolutely two different worlds. There's the spirit world and there's the physical world. When we hear this, this tells you that something was happening in the spirit world and it was transcending on over into what? The material world, the physical world. And its origin is from the throne of God. It came directly from the heart of God. This is what was taking place. And all those people in the city, it was estimated it was over a million people in Jerusalem, maybe two million. Because people come from all over the world at that time to worship on the day of Pentecost. Now, none of them had any idea that God had put in his hand. No one knew, not even 120 people who had assembled there. They didn't know that God was about to bring in a new civilization, Brother David. A new civilization that the world had never seen before. Wow. And you know what? Angels had not seen this civilization but the son knew because he came and he produced it. Let's take a look, Father. So it came in as a rushing mighty wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. First of all, uh, you have to understand that where did this take place? <coughs> did this take place in the back alley of Jerusalem? Or this take place somewhere where the crowds were gathered? This upper room had to be somewhere on the main street. Because as we look further into the text, you're going to find out that all those people that was gathered in Jerusalem, no matter where they was from, heard this sound. That means something amazing, something miraculous in our eyes was taking place. And it got the attention of everybody in the city. Everybody. It came in as a mighty Russian wind. If a gale force wind came through downtown, everybody in the town would hear it. <coughs> okay? If it came downtown High Springs, you all would know it. So imagine, first century Jerusalem. You're there to celebrate the Lord God. And the first fruits of the harvest. Okay? And you're there, and things are going great, and it's early morning. And all of a sudden, from heaven, comes this gale forced wind, this sound that seems like it's going to blow everything over. But it's not destructive. And it comes in and it fills the house, the whole house. And it doesn't destroy the house. Everybody know because of pressure, the atmosphere pressure, the barometric pressure, when it changes, that's what causes houses to do what, Mr. David? To explode. This house didn't explode, Mark. 
But oh yeah, that would be an explosion, all right. <laughs> Let's see what the explosion it is. Okay. Then there appeared, verse 3, then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire. Let's stop there. Fire. First it comes in as a mighty rushing wind, and then it's now in the appearance of fire. Shall I remind you of some things that had happened nearly 1,500 years earlier? On a mountain. You remember when I read in the prelude of the service about Moses at the burning bush at the foot of the mountain called Mount Herb, known as Mount Sinai? Would you know that sometime later, a short time later, God would step down on that mountain? And what was one of the things that Israel heard up on the mountain? Lightning and thundering and wind on top of the mountain. And then what signified that God had showed up? Fire. Fire on the mountain. You're reading in Exodus chapter 19 if you're curious about it. God in the fire on the mountain. Now what you see in the upper room. Fire. God. In the fire, in the upper room. God just showed up. Oh, y'all get it. You got to get it. God just showed up to 120 people. And Lord Jesus Christ had told them the night in which he was betrayed, he said, I'm going to pray to the Father. And he will do what? He will send the comforter. Nobody knew how the comforter was going to show up, how the Holy Spirit was going to show up. No one has ever seen him. And even John the Baptist had said years earlier that Jesus, when he come, he will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with what? And with fire. No one knew what that looked like. All of a sudden now, there's 120 people just had an amazing visit by God himself. And when you read in Hebrews chapter 12, at the ending statement of chapter 12, it says that our God is a consuming fire. When you go back to Exodus chapter 24, it tells you and I, when Israel looked up on the top of the mountain, the fire, they said God was a consuming fire on top of the mountain. But yet the mountain was not burning. And all of a sudden now in the upper room, God just showed up. And he's a consuming fire in the upper room. And he touched every one of them and he didn't burn them up, Mr. David. That's what I just said, Mark. Watch, watch, look, look at the word of God here. And it set upon each one of them. God touched each human there. And what's so good about all of this Three and a half years earlier, God's son had handpicked those 120 people. God, of all the people that God through Jesus had become his disciples, God had 120 of them assembled in that upper room. They were to be the first fruits, Mr. David. They were the recipients of God himself coming to live in men. The dawning of a new civilization on earth. <laughs> Are you hearing me? Jesus Christ, the Son of God, by the Spirit of God, is now living in men. Yes. And you know what? Can you imagine the kingdom of this world? Complete darkness in the spirit world. Every human that's outside of the kingdom of God is in the kingdom of darkness. Are you hearing me? Paul tells us very, very carefully in his writing in his letter to the Colossian church in chapter 1 verse 13. And that he has conveyed us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his son. Okay, the kingdom of light of his beloved. That day 
in the upper room, it was sealed for that 120 people. That Satan no longer controlled them. They were no longer in the kingdom of darkness. Because early, the Son of God, the light of the world, had hand chosen him. In John chapter 15, he tells you and I, he said, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and produce fruits and fruit that remains. He said that to them. Hallelujah. And here we have it. Jesus, by the Spirit, is fulfilling the promise he had made a couple of, a month and a half earlier to those people in the upper room. He is now fulfilling it, Shelley. And instantaneously, do you know what happened to this 120 people? Instantaneously? As the Spirit touched every one of them? Do you know what happened? God took their spirit and rebirthed it. They became new creations in the spirit world. So when the angels looked, they was watching this take place. Okay, Remember the angels can see in a dimension that you and I can't see. When this took place, these people who were now engulfed in darkness were now filled with the light of the Son of God. Their spirit was now rebirthed. Their spirit now looks like God's spirit, nothing but pure light. There are no longer darkness in them. And you got to understand what this means, that every angel now sees the light in 120 people. This now makes them different than every human on earth. Wow. So of all the civilizations on earth, well, the populations, 120 people are now different. And if God would have said, go get my people then, guess what would have happened? 120 people would have went home to be with the Lord. Mm -hmm. Oh, you hear me? And that's exactly what happens. And you need to understand this. The moment that you hear the gospel and you accept God's son, Jesus, the Holy Ghost comes to you, not like tongues of fire as they sing, but he comes to you and he enters you. And that moment, the light of the son of God, Jesus Christ, the light of the world, as John wrote in chapter 1, becomes a brilliant light inside of you. And you no longer live in darkness, but you now live in light, which is the kingdom of our God. Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. That's what happens. And it's just like that, Miss Marie, faster than the speed of light. The moment that heart opens up to Jesus, the Holy Ghost, wham, and there they are. They're born again. Amen. And now you just got an infant son or daughter of God that has to be nourished in the gospel and in the things of God. And that's why people like us, we have to help nourish those young babes in Christ. They may be 60 years old and still a brand new baby to God. But yet, God said, I love you. And they get the same benefits, the same inheritance as someone been saved for 60 years. Okay? Also, we have to look at the fact that when the Holy Ghost came, he brought in the kingdom of God that day with him. Lord Jesus had began it here on earth. John the Baptist said, repent for the kingdom of God is what? At hand. When Jesus began to preach, he said, the kingdom of God is at hand. You read it in Matthew chapter 4. Jesus said the same thing. What does that mean? The kingdom of God is at hand. That means the kingdom of God is right now. And Jesus even told his, his opposers. He said, listen, the kingdom of God has come near you. What? And they didn't even know it. They were spiritually blind. They couldn't see that Jesus is the kingdom of God. They didn't know that because of the hardness of their heart. But this 120 people now are the first fruits of the kingdom of God on earth. And we call it by the word of God, the church, also known as the body of Christ. This is the dawning of a new civilization. The world has never had a civilization like this before. There was different epochs or epochs of 
these things happening, King David had the Spirit of God in him. Moses, Elijah, you know, you can go and you can see in the scriptures, okay, those who had the Spirit of God in them. Even an entire city at one time repented of their sins at the preaching by Jonah. You remember that? And that place was called what? Nineveh. But they had never seen anything like this though. Okay? This was different. And now as God is ushering in this new kingdom, as it's going forward, there's a purpose for this kingdom. There's a purpose for the first fruits here. For God has raised them up to carry the banner that his son had been carrying. Okay? They have now got to take the bloodstained banner of Jesus Christ, called the gospel of Jesus Christ, and take it to the nations. And the nations have got to know that these people are now the new kingdom on earth. And how is this signified? Well, let's just take a look. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues. Okay? Notice that tongues, glacia in Greek, means known languages, Mr. David. It's not a mystery language. And they began to speak with other tongues. Okay? And let me back up for a second. When the Holy Ghost touched them, when he reached and touched them, Miss Marie, you know what the Holy Spirit gave these men and women? He gave them the power from heaven. Because Jesus told them, when the Spirit comes, what they shall receive what? Power from on high. At that very moment, the Holy Spirit touched these people. A new energy source entered them. And they were no longer bound by human limitations. They now had the power directly from the throne of God flowing in them. They now had the ability to do the impossible. And now to demonstrate that these people are no longer so-called normal humans. But the power of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is now living in them. The power source of heaven is now in them. And when they speak the name of Jesus, the Holy Ghost automatically empowers the name of Jesus and gives it the authority from heaven so when his children speak his name, things happen. And to, to, to show the world, because the world was represented in Jerusalem that day by all the nations that were present. And so to show you and I that these 120 people is a new civilization on earth called the kingdom of God and that they're now different and empowered by God's spirit as Lord Jesus said they would be watch what they do because you remember back in Acts 1.8 he said you shall receive power from on high and you shall be my witnesses first he said in Jerusalem where are they now? Jerusalem and then he says Judea which is the southern part of Israel and then he said to Samaria the middle part and the northern part and then it said beyond the boundaries of Israel the rest of the world but watch what happened to show you and I that that promise that Lord Jesus said would happen to them is now fulfilled look at it Verse 5, and there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under the sun. Why did God have Luke write that statement to you and I? Devout men from every nation under the sun. Because God had done something so beyond human capacity. He has now empowered his children to reach those nations. No matter what their languages were, he gave them the ability to carry the gospel to every nation. And if you look at John chapter 17, at the closing of that prayer, Lord Jesus makes a solemn promise to his father. He said these words. He said, I will make your name known. 
And how is that, Shelley? Well, Jesus is back in heaven. He got 120 people he just empowered. Amen. Hello, somebody. <laughs> 120 disciples, Clinton, that now are able to mention the name of God, who are now able to mention the name of Jesus. Yes. That's how they're going to make his name known. Okay? When that 120 goes out, and particularly their leaders, okay, that's marching forth, they're spearheading this thing, the apostles. As the apostles are spearheading, those leaders are now equipping these 120 with the gospel and they're sharing the gospel with people and they are making disciples you remember he said go into all the world to all the nations and make what make disciples of them and baptizing them in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy ghost and he tells you and i what yahweh means he said lo i'm with you always even until the end of the ages the greek word there's eon and there, you and I would never, ever be without Jesus' presence. And we have a job. We have a mission to do. And that mission is to carry the gospel to the nations. And it begins in Jerusalem. And here you see that 120 is now carrying out that commandment of the Lord. They're beginning in Jerusalem. Well, how is that done? He gives us the answers. Right here in the scriptures. So these men were from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. Like I said, if this was some back alley place, how would all those people come running? <laughs> it would have been a, 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 what do you call it, stampede? <laughs> Folks would have been hurt. So this place where there were, God intentionally handpicked the room because he knew around that building would be enough room so that those nations could muster, so they can come together. And that day they did. And when they came together, they began to hear this 120 people speak their native tongue. Nobody taught them. They didn't have any interpreters, Mr. David. The Holy Ghost instantaneously gave them the ability to speak every language of the people represented in Jerusalem that day. Everyone. And it gives us a glimpse of who they were. And then they were all amazed and marvelous, saying to one another, Look, are not all these who speak Galilean? Wait, 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 wait a minute. Didn't all these, this is another way of saying, I thought all these spoke Galilean. Because the only one that was from Judea was dead. He hung himself. His name was Judas. The rest of them were from Galilee, northern Israel. And so, and, and by the way, Galileans had a different dialect than the folks that lived in Jerusalem. I don't know if you understood that. But they did. And so the whole cross said, are these not all Galileans? So that gives us a big clue that God was at work here. And what happened on the day of Pentecost was just not some wild bunches thing that, that took place. So they were all amazed and marveled. And then they said that statement, are they not all Galileans? How is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? That would have freaked me out. I've been to some countries of the world and hearing their language, I, I look at them and go, mm, I don't know what you're saying, but you could be cussing me out. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe you want to give me some money. Maybe you ask me for money. I don't know. I don't know your language. First time I seen a Russian soldier, he tried to sell me a medallion and I didn't know what he was saying. He was speaking Russian. To me, it was gibberish. Okay. And he didn't understand me because he continued to speak Russian. We was headed to East Berlin at the time. And so I know what it's like to be talked to him. Uh huh. What'd you say? And you try to communicate with them. But these people, the multitude, the thousands that were in the city said, wait a minute. 
<laughs> we hear them speaking, we understand fully what they are saying. They're fluent in our language. Who are these people saying this? Verse 9. Parthians, Meds, Elamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia. That's modern day Iraq area, you know, and parts of Iran. Judea and Cappadocia. That's over in Turkey. We're going over in Turkey side now. Okay, known as Asia, Asia Minor. Pontus in Asia, Phagia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya, adjoining Cyrene and visitors from Rome. Other people came as far away as Rome. They had to come all the way across the Mediterranean Sea to get to Israel. Because Israel is east of Rome, across the sea. Then further to the east of Israel, look at this. Visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, that's Gentiles who've been converted to Judaism, Cretans from the island of Crete, and Arabs, modern-day Saudi Arabia, which is further east and then south. It was known as Arabia. The Saudi family bought it and renamed it Saudi Arabia. And so, these people from all over, Mark, some of those places you and I have been. And here, look at it. We hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. Were these people not testifying? Were there not the living witnesses of Jesus Christ that day? Were there not fulfilling the commandment of Lord Jesus? You shall be my witnesses here in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the world. That's what he told them. He said, you shall receive power from on high when the Holy Spirit come upon you. And guess what, folks? He had just come upon them. And they did receive power from on high. And speaking the foreign languages was a demonstration that the gospel of Jesus Christ is now going to the nations. Amen. The 120 people were the first witnesses of Jesus Christ and the dawning of this new civilization called the kingdom of God upon the earth. We call it the church. And so... God is so good all the time. And uh, as we begin to look further at the Acts of the Apostles, so they were all amazed and perplexed. I don't understand this. How can a person at one moment be so excited and then the next moment don't understand it? Full of confusion. And that's what perplexed means, that one moment they was excited that all this had happened and in the next moment they couldn't understand well how is this possible it's only possible by the Holy Spirit of the living God and it was carried out by the Son of God just as he said he was going to and you know what several hundred years into the future that's us now the Holy Ghost is still doing the same thing he's still empowering men and women and boys and girls to do the extraordinary with the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness you and I get to talk to people who are full of darkness okay Need I remind you that Jesus, before he was betrayed, said, Now the prince of this world has nothing in me. He has nothing in common with me. Now the prince of this world is judged. That means Jesus has just put Satan on notice. I'm going to get you for that. But in the meanwhile... The Prince of Glory goes back home. 
But the prince of darkness still have his kingdom here. And there's multitudes and multitudes of people that need to be rescued from the kingdom of darkness and from under the bondage of the prince of darkness, Satan himself. Okay? And they don't know that the kingdom of darkness is simply there to destroy them. And it doesn't matter how much fun they may think they're having, but the life in the kingdom of darkness only means eternal damnation, eternal destruction, eternal separation from the presence of God and of the Lamb. Jesus Christ came to destroy the works of Satan. He came to rescue men, women and boys and girls from the kingdom of darkness. To bring them into the marvelous kingdom of his light. The father has given him this kingdom. Daniel chapter 9 tells you and I. And Daniel gives us a glimpse by the Holy Ghost. And he's seeing the, the coming together. Jesus going to the father. Okay. And father sitting on his throne. He's called the ancient of days. In Daniel chapter 7. And they say, and they brought him to him, meaning the angels of God escorted Jesus, our Lord, to the Father. And the Father gives him a kingdom. It says a kingdom that's an everlasting kingdom and a kingdom that shall not be destroyed. And that Jesus turns the kingdom over to the saints. Now, as we're looking further into the word of God. Satan have always attempted to stop the work of God, hadn't he? Look at him attempting to stop the work of God in verse 12. So they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, whatever could this mean? Verse 12, 13. Others marking said, they are full of new wine. You see how the devil always tried to impeach the credibility of God? But he can't. The kingdom of God must go forth. It must advance. And I'm here to tell you, we are evidence that the kingdom is advancing. Oh, that went right over your heads. <laughs> we are Jesus' evidence that his kingdom is still advancing from generation to generation he's gaining new sons and new daughters as his labors are being produced in every generation the laborers are out sharing his gospel and as people are hearing the gospel and the Holy Ghost is convicting them of their sins some are giving in their Surrendering to the kingdom of Jesus Christ by surrendering to him. And as they surrender to God's only begotten son, God takes them out of the kingdom of darkness and places them instantaneously into the kingdom of his son whom he loves, the kingdom of light. And at every generation, the kingdom is added to. It keeps multiplying itself and it keeps growing. And here you go, newsflash for all us modern day people, or postmodern as they call us now. As the technology stage advances, so does the kingdom of our God. Okay? Well, what do you mean by that? Mr. David, 2,000 years ago, there was no recorders, were there? No, tele no, 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 no televisions, no electronic recorders, no television, no computers. That wasn't even a bicycle, was it, Mark? But what happened as each generation came? God allowed that generation to advance a little bit further. And now we're at the stage that we can talk to someone all the way across the world in a matter of a second. They're picking up the phone and saying, hello, how are you? Good to hear from you. And now we've gotten so sophisticated, we can actually look at them talking to us on thing called Skype or whatever else media that's out there.
Well, really, it's not really new technology because the military had it for a long time. It's just new to uh, civilian life. But video teleconferences, you can sit in a room of people here in the United States and talk to a group of people in China. And you know what else? We have the ability now to fly over jungles and jump right in or let down ropes and people scoop down ropes right into that jungle. And some of them got New Testament called Gideons in their backpacks. And guess what those men do? They leave some of them behind. And natives pick them up and go, what's this? And they begin to read and believe and then their lives are changed. And God sent others in by boats. And they walk on new shores and the new territories. And they're carrying the gospel of Jesus Christ. And some get on this thing called Facebook. And they type in, do you know about my friend Jesus, my Lord and Savior? Do you know that he's God's only begotten son? So as, as technology advances, so does the gospel. And as fast as the gospel is being spread, God is earning new sons and new daughters. And at the same time, contemporaneously, that means, well, contemporaneous is a bad word. Simultaneously is, is a better word. At the same time that is happening, the kingdom of darkness is decreasing. Yes, Lord. Are you hearing this? So as God's kingdom by his son Jesus is advancing, because each time he advances, he take, he rescues people from the kingdom of darkness. That means the kingdom of darkness is shrinking. And the kingdom of God is growing. It's expanding. Every time you and I open our mouths and share the gospel with someone, whether it's at a gas station or sitting inside a restaurant or in the post office or in the comfort of our homes, that person surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit takes them out of the kingdom of darkness and places them to the kingdom of Jesus, the Son of God. So can you imagine Satan, he's doing everything he can do. And, and as we look at this over time, as this gospel is being fed, as the gospel is being spread, as it being broadcast, Miss Marie, the enemy said, I better do something about this. I'm losing too much ground too fast. And you know what they do? He have his clones enact laws and put in place systems, so-called fail-proof systems, right? To stop the advancement of Jesus Christ. And they even trump up what we call false religions to circumvent the true word of God. And to get people to worship a false God by putting a little flavor of Jesus in it to make them to believe this is right. So he's doing, he's pulling all his tricks out now to try and stop the advancement of the kingdom of God. But Jesus Christ already knew this. And the Holy Ghost knew this long before it happened. And as the Holy Ghost goes forth, he outwits and he outsmarts everything that Satan is doing. And he brings Satan's kingdom down. Every place we go, God's son gained new sons and new daughters. Showing you that the Holy Spirit of the living God is superior to all spirits. And it cannot be stopped. Miss Marie, you keep on doing what you're doing. Because no devil in hell can shut you up. No devil. He may silence the body, but he can't silence the gospel. Are you all hearing me? And that's why the good Lord empowered these people that day by his spirit and the evidence that the gospel was going to the nations was those nations present right there and that language could not be a barrier to stop the gospel because the Holy Ghost will give you the ability to speak Russian just like that amen I remember once and, and we're, we're probably going to close a little earlier today I remember once preaching, no, attending a worship service in a German church 
with just a handful of Americans. And I heard, I heard Germans speaking in tongues. And I turned to the pastor that I was with, and he turned to me. He said, they are speaking in tongues. I said, yeah, I hear it. Germans. So go to show you there's no language, no nation under the sun that the Holy Ghost can't touch, that he can't reach. Melissa wasn't even born then. She went shortly thereafter she would come. This is towards the end of the 80s. And so now the gospel begins in verse 14. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. For these are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. Otherwise, Joel spoke this prophecy. He said this day, he said this thing would happen several hundred years earlier. What did he say? Verse 17, and it shall come to pass in the last day, said God. That I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men's servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And they shall prophesy. Another word of saying prophesy is they will preach. In other words, they will be witnesses. I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor and smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders and signs which God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves also know, him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands, have crucified and have put to death, whom God raised up, having what? Having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be held by it. Other the grave would not hold Jesus. For David said concerning him, For I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is at my right hand that I may not sh be shaken. Therefore my heart rejoiced, and my tongue was glad. Moreover, my flesh also will rest in hope, for you will not leave my soul in Hades, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. You have made known to me the ways of life. You will make full of joy in your presence." I believe you will find that in Psalm 16, where King David gives that prophecy. And we're about to close in five minutes. Please hear this man, Peter, the one who denied the Lord three times on the night in which he was betrayed, is now up preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And a moment in this text, literally thousands on this day will surrender their lives to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. The Acts of the Apostles, this is the first fruit of the kingdom of God and of the people of God sharing the word of God and the people being saved by God. Men and brethren, let me speak freely to you of the Patrick David, that he is both dead and buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. Therefore, being a prophet, and knowing that God has sworn with an oath to him that of the fruits of his body, according to the flesh, he will raise up the Christ to, to sit on his throne. The Christ, in this term, you can actually write it out, Messiah. 
David knew that God would send the Messiah and the Messiah would be from his bloodline. That's what he just said. And that he would eventually sit up on his throne. But Revelation tells us that Jesus is coming back and he's going to sit up on the throne of David forever. He foreseeing this spoke concerning the resurrection of the Christ or the Messiah that his soul was not left in Hades or the grave nor did his flesh see corruption. Jesus did not rot. He didn't decay. This Jesus God has raised up of which we are all witnesses. Therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this which you now see and hear. For David did not ascend into the heaven, but he himself, but he says himself, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. Powerful words of David. And remember, David lived a thousand years before Christ. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know <clears throat> assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? And this is the purpose of the preaching of the gospel. What people are to respond. Then Peter said to them, repent. And let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promises to you and to your children and to all who are far off. Otherwise, and to the future. As many as the Lord our God will call. Meaning God is going to call throughout the generations. God is going to call people to hear the gospel. And they're going to respond. And the men and women of God is going to say to them. As they ask the question, what must we do? And we're going to tell them, repent. Repent of your sins and turn to Jesus and be baptized in Jesus' name. And at that very moment, God will place his Holy Spirit in you. And your name will be written in the Lamb's book of life forever. And with many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, be, be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received this word were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. Wow. Mr. David, you and I would love to baptize 3,000 people today, wouldn't we? <laughs> we'll be all day at, the, at Post Springs doing it, Mark. And you will step in that cold water with us and help us. As Clinton line them up. And we will baptize them. But they did that day. Because it said it. 3,000 people surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And were baptized. But that's a big chunk out of Satan's kingdom that day, wasn't it? Amen. And can you imagine that 3,000 going testifying to? Because they are witnesses of what happened that day in Jerusalem. And they're going to go back to their country. And they're going to tell somebody what happened. So the gospel is now going beyond the boundaries of Israel. To the rest of the world. God good. And they continue steadfastly in the apostles doctrine and fellowship. In the breaking of bread and in prayer. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Other miracles began to happen. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common, and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all, as anyone had need. So continually daily, with one accord in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. Praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. He hadn't changed. Jesus Christ just saved somebody today. There have literally been hundreds of souls saved today. They just entered the kingdom of God. God brought them in. He took them out of the kingdom of darkness and placed them into the kingdom of his son, Jesus. And these men and women who are out there on the battlefield of the Lord and other nations and in this nation sharing the gospel right now.
and the Holy Ghost is at work. It blows my mind how he can be saving a soul in Florida at the same time saving a soul in China and in Japan and Jamaica and Costa Rica and other places. That's who God is. He's amazing. Son, Jesus came for that purpose. What's your role in this? Be ready. Mark, you've been coming with us for a short time. And I would encourage you to. You've heard enough of the word of God and you're a brilliant man. I talk with you. That all of us have enough of the word of God in us. To share with somebody. And let me tell you this as as I get ready to close in prayer. You don't have to carry a Bible everywhere you go. It would be nice if you did. The apostles didn't because the scriptures were in the synagogues. If they had tried to take them out, the Jews would have stoned them to death. So where was the word? In their hearts. So you be ready. In the twinkling of an eye. To share the gospel with someone from your heart. And allow the Holy Spirit to do the rest. But you be obedient. You'll be obedient. Bring her up here. Bring her up here. Come here, Melissa. Then go get her mama. surprise this wasn't planned if you have to you can stand in for Miss Nelson Clinton if you have to stand in for Miss Nelson Mark this is our newest addition to our family God brought her here late Monday night Hey, are you trying to smile? Are you trying to smile, her darling? Melissa, I know that's not planned, but I feel led to do it. Bill? You were sent here by God for a reason. Allow you to come. So I'm going to do something, Bill, that every father's supposed to do who's the head of his clan, and I'm the head of the Nelson clan. I'm going to give you back to God. And we'll do official one later. But right now I'm going to pray for you and anoint you with oil. You okay with that? Come up here, Deacon Clinton. Where are you? He's over there watching my class. Yeah. I'm glad. Stain called me and led by the Spirit. Father, in Jesus' name. Anoint this precious child, Belle, and give her back to you. So that you, Lord God, will raise her up as one of your 
beautiful flowers on earth to carry the gospel of Jesus. Lord, be with us in your spirit. Be with our mom. Be with our parents. And help them to bring her up in the fear and admonition of you, Lord Jesus. Teach her to love you all the days of her life. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. and come on up and close us out. I need to put it on my own head. <laughs> okay, everybody bow your heads with me, please. Um, Jesus, we thank you for everything you do for us. Everybody that you continue to save, um, Please help us keep our eyes on you as we leave this place today um, to live our lives completely to your satisfaction. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you.